Our reading today comes from Matthew, chapter 10, verses 24 through 39. Jesus told the disciples, A disciple is not above the teacher, nor a slave above the master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher and the slave like the master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And even the hairs of your head are all counted. So do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others, I also will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I also will deny before my Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And one's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Well, this passage feels like a hodgepodge of teachings by Jesus. Wise sayings just thrown together. And any comfort offered by the part that about the sparrows and the hairs on our head gets drowned out by the notion that Jesus will deny anyone who denies him, that he came to bring a sword instead of peace, and that anyone who values their family over Jesus isn't worthy of him. And then he tops things off with the point that anyone who wants to find their life will lose it. And the question is, what do we do with these difficult passages and teachings? It seems on one hand, Jesus is warning the disciples, letting them know what happens when one preaches the gospel. And on the other hand, Jesus is encouraging them, do not be afraid. Even those who threaten can only kill the body, not the soul. And you already belong to God, so there is nothing to fear. But some will live in fear. Some will be captured by the fear of death, of loss, of inconvenience, of challenge, of denial, even by one's own family, it seems. We have a tendency as Christians to always want to jump from Good Friday to Easter Sunday, from confession straight to forgiveness, from sin straight to grace. This is what Dietrich Bonhoeffer talks about in his book, The Cost of Discipleship. He says, grace without price, grace without cost. 
The essence of grace, we suppose, is that the account has been paid in advance. In advance. And because it has been paid, everything can be had for nothing. Since the cost was infinite, the possibilities of using and spending it are infinite, what would grace be if it were not cheap? He goes on, cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, absolution without personal confession, Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ, living and incarnate. So while forgiveness and grace are free, they are most certainly not cheap. They cost God everything. And in proclaiming them, they will cost us everything as well. And that's Jesus' point in this passage. While we all want peace, as soon as we proclaim the peace of Christ, Truly and without concession, the proclamation will cause division. We see it all over the world. When grace insists on care for our immigrant and refugee brothers and sisters, others insist that we set up barriers to protect ourselves. When grace insists on repentance by the powers of this world, including the church and the practices of systemic racism, Others insist, well, it doesn't exist, that those people have created their situation. When grace insists on cautious practices, others insist it infringes on personal rights. Grace, practiced and proclaimed, costs. It is free, but it is not cheap. Debbie Thomas says about this passage, bottom line, if tender Jesus, meek and mild, is what we prefer, then this week's lectionary is not for us. If an unrisky religion is what we feel entitled to practice, we've misunderstood Christianity. If neither you nor anyone within your sphere of influence has ever been provoked, disturbed, surprised, or challenged by your life of faith, then things are not okay in your life of faith. It sounds harsh, but not every passage is meant to make us feel warm and fuzzy. Sometimes we need some hard to truth. The gospel is good news only when it's good news for everyone. The gospel is good news, but first, it's going to make you mad. The gospel is good, but it isn't easy. It isn't convenient. It isn't immediate, and it isn't tame. How do we stand? For justice when the world insists that we should just go along to get along? How do we proclaim good news when family and friends practice something different? No wonder Jesus said he came to bring a sword. It's not his desire, but it's simply a statement of reality. A sword is sharp, and it divides one from another. The gospel, too, is sharp, and it often divides one from another, not because the gospel is bad news, but because sin refuses to let good news reign. I have many family and friends at odds with how I understand justice through the lens of the cross. But it is the cross that paid the ultimate price for me to receive grace upon grace. 
the cross that unjustly claimed the life of the Christ, the cross that revealed the sin of tyranny and nationalism, the cross that rebuked the concept of empire as purveyor of peace. There is only one Prince of Peace, and the peace he offered was thrown in his face because it was inconvenient, challenging, and suggested that the worldly power and influence was of absolutely no consequence in the kingdom of heaven. The cross insisted that grace was free, but not cheap, that it couldn't be controlled, distributed, or rationed by others. So Bonhoeffer concludes, such grace is costly because it calls us to follow, and it is grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It is costly because it costs a man his life, and it is grace because it gives a man, gives a man the only true life. It is costly because it condemns sin, and it's grace because it justifies the sinner. And above all, it is costly because it cost God the life of his son. You were bought at a price. And what has cost God much cannot be cheap for us. Above all, it is grace because God did not reckon his son too dear a price to pay for our life, but delivered him up for us. Costly grace is the incarnation of God. Amen. For hymn of the day is hymn number 749, O God of love, O King of peace.
we confess our faith together using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Called into unity with one another and the whole creation, let us pray for our shared world. Expansive God, you bring diverse voices together to form your church. Open our hearts and unstop our ears to learn from one another that differences might not overshadow our baptismal unity. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Providing God, your creation shows us that life comes from death. Renew the places where our land, air, and waterways have been ill for too long. Direct the work of all who care for birds and their habitats. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Protecting God, sustain and keep safe all who work to defend others across the world. We pray today especially for Lutheran World Federation. Revive and strengthen organizations dedicated to caring for refugees and migrants while their homelands struggle for peace. We pray especially for those in Beirut, Lebanon, in the aftermath of the explosion. Bring comfort and justice to those who cry out to you. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Loving God, you promise to be with all who are persecuted for your sake. Guide all who speak your word of justice and console any who are tormented or targeted for being who they are. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Compassionate God, we pray for all who are sick, those who live in fear, those who are addicted, those who are kept from living fully. We pray especially for Gretchen, Diana, Addie, Rod, Michelle, Victoria, Nancy, Dennis, Jordan, Darla, Ronan, Jody, Marvin, Nikki, Tracy, Rachel, Mary, Nancy, Miko, Tony, Hal, Bruce, Roberta, Charlotte, Mary Jo, Daniel, Bud, Rosa, Kathy, Brandon, George, Laura, Aurora, our homebound and vulnerable, and those we lift up at this time. Hear us, O oh God. Your mercy is great. Reigning God, you bless us with guides and caretakers in the faith. Bring peace to those who grieve their loss, the loss of loved ones, especially Lindsay and Emily and their families at the death of their grandmother, Dolores, and for Denise and Stu and their families at the death of her mother, Carol. Hear us, O oh God. Your mercy is great. 
Receive these prayers, O God, and those too deep for words. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you always. And offer that peace as an, and also with you to those around you. Or a wave or a peace sign. And now we remember the night in which our Lord was betrayed. He took the bread, gave thanks, gave it for all to eat, blessed it, gave it for others to eat, saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to all to drink, and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. So friends, take and eat. This is the body of Christ given for you. Take and drink. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. The body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you in his grace. Amen. God of the welcome table, in this meal we have feasted on your goodness and have been united by your presence among us. Empower us to go forth sustained by these gifts so that we may share your neighborly love with all through Jesus Christ, the giver of abundant life. Amen. God the creator, Jesus the Christ, and the Holy Spirit the comforter bless you and keep you in eternal love. Amen. 